0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, drop shipping, and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Great to have your company today. Had an awesome chat today with Julian Fishman from my hometown, Melbourne, Australia. Julian and his business partner, Shane have several huge Amazon businesses doing mid seven figures per year, as well as consulting to eight figure Amazon businesses. He started his career in banking before starting a bike shop here in inner city Melbourne called Velo Cycles. And if you live in Melbourne, you'll know they're one of the city's largest. Uh, He sold that business and then headed over to Silicon Valley, getting involved in a software startup. And then from there, he learned about Amazon and he saw a product being spruiked on social media and decided to give it a try. In month one, he'd sold over $120,000 worth of product and was off to the Amazon races. Today, we talk about what it takes to build a seven-figure Amazon business for an exit. Now, speaking of seven figures, if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure seller, please join a small group of big Amazon Australian sellers to mastermind and take your business to the next level. To learn more and to apply for a spot, head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash collective. The Amazon Collective Mastermind is brought to you by Pioneer. And it's happening on this coming weekend, so apologies if you're listening in the future, on the 29th to the 31st of July 2022. So get your skates on, there are only a handful of spots left. Also, don't forget about the upcoming India sourcing trip of 2022. I'm so excited to be invited back by Megler as a coach this year. So please join me and dozens of other Amazon and e-commerce sellers on the experience of a lifetime in New Delhi on the 12th through to the 19th of October. Now to register your interest, just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash India. Oh, I'm also hoping to see you at Jamie and Michael's Cellar Fest in September in Sydney as well. And don't forget to join my Facebook group. You know what to do. Head over to theaustraliancellar.com forward slash Facebook. And I'm still offering private coaching. So head over to theaustraliancellar.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. Uh, So that's it. Let's get on with today's show with Julian Fishman. to another episode of the australian seller podcast and today i'm totally delighted to welcome julian fishman from where are you from julian i'm
1: well, from melbourne i've um, yep. got a business we've got many companies um probably um optazon would be the company that uh, is our kind of main operations
0: awesome awesome good on you listen thanks for joining us today um We've been talking on and off over the last few months and you've got a massive, well, you have massive brands on Amazon and you're partnering and doing all sorts of interesting things that we're talking about off air. But why don't we get and start right at the, at, the, at the beginning of the story, which is, how did you get into e-commerce? Because I know that you were in banking for a while.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I kind of cut my teeth in banking, uh, you know, so as a, you know, um, early to mid uh, 20s uh, guy, I was in a suit and tie. Wasn't allowed to wear a beard into the office, um, you know, so I feel nice having to be getting to wear casual clothes these days. But, you know, I you know, spent a, a lot of time, uh, you know, I was working at ANZ uh, in their institutional finance um, area. That was, mm-hmm. you know, pretty uh, a great uh, proving ground to kind of learn a lot of uh, like analytical skills and, mm-hmm. you know, critical thinking. Um, but it didn't really sit that well with me at the time. I was, you know, quite a left-wing person politically, so kind mm. of worked for a big bad bank. It didn't necessarily <laughs> sit uh, well with me. So, um, you know, after you know, I spent a couple of different stints uh, working at the bank. Uh, I kind of broke it up with um, some travel just to kind of get my head right, um, which kind of I guess you know <laughs> let me work there for a little longer. But yeah. ultimately, that wasn't that wasn't my uh, uh, my end game there and and then i you know built a, a pretty successful um bicycle retail business here in Melbourne Velo Cycles um if yeah. you're ever in the Carlton area go and check it out.
0: Well uh, I live in North Fitzroy and Velo Cycles are just up the road. So yeah so
1: you, you would mm-hmm. probably know it then. That's right. So wow. yeah and then you know I, I kind of felt at that point I was like you know I'm working in this bike shop. I think I've kind of Learned everything I'm going to learn here mm. uh, as far as like has my professional development actually You know, being you know curtailed, and uh, is this like is this the end of me? And this is where where I'm at, and that didn't really sit that well with me. Uh, And so I ended up going and doing a a graduate degree uh, in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. uh, where I was learning about sustainability and technology. And then I kind of found myself, uh, you know, trying to decide: do I stay in the US or do I go back to Australia? And I was like. I'm in San Francisco. There's this massive, you know, tech boom happening. You know, I should at least, uh, you know, see what all the fuss is about. So I ended up working for a, a, a startup accelerator down in Silicon Valley, and huh? you know, I spent um, uh, right about two years working there. And you know, I'm not a very like um, tech, uh, like technical person. A mm-hmm. lot of the guys I was dealing with that were helping trying to like build their first, um, uh, you know, versions of their products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all had PhDs. They were super technical. And, I, you know, at first I was a bit kind of intimidated by that. And then I realized, well, hold on a second. These guys have a real trouble kind of communicating um, Mm. what it is uh, that their technology does and how it benefits end consumers. And, And so I really spent that first two years really understanding how do you kind of validate that product market fit? Yeah. right yeah. So you can already see how this is kind of moving towards kind of e-commerce yes, right yes. I mean, this is what we have to do on a daily basis here mm. and so i kind of felt uh, that this kind of lean startup methodology that mm. um, you know i really got to learn a lot about uh, all of this um, uh, customer development with Um, You know, I kind of felt like that was a really uh, a core competency. So I was able to kind of move away from banking and then like building a a retail business. I've now kind of got into this kind of lean startup and technology kind of, um, uh, you know, place of the world. Mm. And, uh, you know, from there, I was like, well, hold on a second. I'm working at a startup accelerator. Why don't I just go and start up a, a cool startup? Everyone's yeah, yeah. Cool, right. <laughs> so, um, what year was this? Sorry, I, I missed So that was uh, that was about 20, uh, 2015 2015 uh, okay. is when is when that happened. And so you know, we built this data analytics um, startup it was uh, designed to help um, you know property investors make money from the Airbnb economy right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Airbnb was a big San Francisco company. This whole short-term rental market was changing. We had a lot of really good early success with, uh, with you know, the, the startup, you know, we almost, we were down to the final, uh, final round of Y Combinator, which is a really uh, famous yeah. startup accelerator. So we got really close to getting into that, but just didn't quite fall our way. Mm. And, you know, then, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, how am I going to kind of turn this into a big business? And, you know, one of my mentors, the guy that got me into Amazon, he'd mm. already built a tech startup, he'd already sold his startup for like $40 million. Um, and you know, he was, he was kind of getting into this whole Amazon space. And he kind of just said to me, listen, like, you know, with where you're at right now with your business, it's going to take, you know, a year to mm-hmm. get investors to give you a whole pile of cash. Yep, and well, it's probably going to take you another year to start getting uh, customers to start, you know, handing over their money. Cash, to, uh, yeah. to, so the, the runway, he said, you need around two years of runway to really, uh, uh, you know, to um, get yeah to, to, get
0: to get it going
1: up, to get it going. Yeah, and I, and he's like, "Do you have two years of runway?" And I was like, "I reckon I got six months max here." And he goes, yeah. "Well, let me show you what I'm doing." You know, Amazon. This is back in uh, early 2016. Right. Yeah. Good. There's never been a better time to build a brand than on Amazon right now. And he kind of just gave me this little, um, you know, uh, entree into uh, the world of Amazon selling and private label. Uh, He put me in touch with um, folks that are still my really good friends today, this like little inner circle of Amazon mastermind crew. Mm -hmm. So I got into this really high powered mastermind before I even started selling a product in San Francisco, which is super, super fortunate. Yeah, um, I went um, early April uh, of that year, 2016. I was uh, looking to um, do my first product. I thought I was going to sell MCT oil. Um,
0: uh, what is yeah. that? It's
1: like a, a keto, um, you know, oh. a high fat kind of uh, coconut oil. Okay. That is really good for keto. Um, I then had a little falling out with a very good friend of mine. We decided it was best to stay friends and let's not go into business together. (laughs) So I was kind of struggling to kind of find this first product. I was really eager to get going. Uh, And then I got served an ad on Facebook for uh, this really cool kind of camping and outdoor product. And I was like, wow, like that's an awesome product. Yeah. Uh, my mentor was like, you shouldn't, you should stay away from these like fatty social media products. It's mm-hmm. maybe not going to be a good deal, but, you know, because I'm a, I'm a, a massive traveler, I, you know, I spent, uh, you know, five years in my 20s yes. backpacking around, uh, I go to music festivals. I was like, this is like the perfect product for my kind of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went from, uh, you know, late April going, I'm going to do this product. Mm-hmm. Uh, when hit up Alibaba, got like, you know, six or eight different samples sent to me. Uh, tested them all out at a massive uh, festival in san francisco just to try to get people's feedback yeah. and i just had people coming out of the woodwork going oh my god i've seen these things on social media uh, can i can i sit in it can i try it uh, yeah. and um and you know so i went from uh from from that point where i was like i think I've got a product here mm-hmm. uh, i went and um, ordered three thousand units of it and okay. Before the end of the month, I'd sold $120,000 worth of uh, product in month one. And that was uh, my uh, welcome to Amazon moment.
0: (laughs) That is a great welcome to Amazon moment. There are very few Amazon sellers that have those sorts of moments, but when they happen, it changes everything, doesn't it?
1: That's it. And you know, really, it was a, it was, I was very lucky with the product selection. I, I mean, I've looked back mm. on Google Trends, and you know, the 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 top trend line for my product um, was the week I launched. So I was yeah, very yeah. lucky there. And then I also had just really good people that uh, were around me that had been yeah. able to done
0: that already to kind of guide me along the way. What was the name of the of the mentor that you mentioned a few minutes ago?
1: Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's an English guy by the name of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's a enterprise technology kind of guy. Right. He's kind of since got out of the Amazon game. It just didn't really work for him uh, as well as it worked for me. So, yeah. you know, he got me into it, then he shipped out of there and here uh-huh. I am still selling seven years later.
0: <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about uh, how to scale and grow your business to a seven figure exit, which I believe you've done. Um, Uh, Not
1: quite there yet. We are in the the final stages here of of the due diligence uh, phase, which is exciting, (laughs) nerve wracking, but uh, it is entertaining, uh, all things considered.
0: Well, you being across the numbers and being an ex-banker, I think you'll you'll bear right. I think you described yourself as a recovering banker. Is that recovering right?
1: Recovering banker, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Loved it, it. 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 took me a little Lo- while to get over that. And I look at it fondly now because it was a really yeah. great place to learn and they put a lot of money into your development. But at the yeah. time I kind of felt a little uh, not quite right working there. Mm.
0: My uh, my wife now, ex-wife, uh, is working at ANZ. So she's, uh, having, having a lot of fun there as well, I think. Um yeah. So, well, let's get let's get started. What is what, let's talk about the process? How do you how do you obviously you found your first product on social media? Um, you're obviously sold a lot of other products on Amazon. How and you built what upwards of four brands, I think. Yeah, we,
1: we've got we've got uh, I guess we've got four brands. We've got three brands and a and a at a consulting business as well. That's right. Yeah. A, yeah. Um, You know, we're, we operate across, you know, several categories. We're in like sports and outdoors, uh, we're in toys and games, and we're also in, uh, you know,
0: health supplements as well. That's right. So do you, have you had as much success with the, because with the sports and outdoor product that you saw on social media, that was obviously a runaway success from the outset. What was your approach then to build these other two new Amazon brands?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think, our process has evolved a lot over the years. I think Mm -hmm. we're a lot better these days at at kind of picking good products. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, from our perspective, it's kind of really important to kind of pick growing uh, categories. So maybe the categories aren't like dominating categories where every seller on the first page is selling six figures monthly, right? Mm -hmm. There may be, Uh, you need to look at um, areas that you you know about, right? I think that's really important, right? So, you know, with our, um, you know, every one of our businesses, you know, we have somebody in our, you know, management team that would consider themselves uh, like an expert, a practitioner, uh, someone that like knows that category relatively deeply. It doesn't have to be that they've, you know, you know, been a 20 year professional in that category, but, you know, you could be like an avid gardener, so yes. go to where you know, right? I think, you know, if there's a product that you think just, you know, is a popular product that just doesn't quite, you know, meet the needs, maybe there's a few improvements that you could make. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really great place to start. You know, if you've got a baby, right, you start mm-hmm. to learn, like, what things would you love to have that you haven't got? You know, what thi- you know like, I've got these... Um, I've got these rubber duckies that go into the bath. Mm. I've got three of them for my one year old son, and none of them float. Um, like flat, they always float on the water with their head Sideways, yeah. And it's like, what's going on there? Like surely there's a fix there, right? So I think that's probably where I'd start is somewhere that you're you're, you're confident and competent in, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then, you know, really kind of understanding the market. Like why is it that these top sellers are selling so well? You know, is it because like are they an Amazon-only brand? Mm-hmm. or are they in every retail store across the country as well, yes, right? Yes. Because they're kind of hard to compete against, right? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and then, you know, we do a lot of like, we do a lot of deep um, research and it's typically research that's available to everybody. It's just it's about, you know, getting the resources uh, organized enough, mm-hmm. to be able to go and find that data, you know, analyze it, and then kind of come out with some insights. And so, you know, typically... Before we've launched a product, we've gone through a pretty rigorous process where we go and look at the market. You know, back in 2016, you would look at Jungle Scout, you would go, "Wow, look at all these people selling great." Let's just bang out a Me Too product, and boom, we're going to have sales like that as well. You do a few giveaways here and mm. there, some kind of a you know a, a boost or you know Facebook you know uh, group giveaway or whatever yeah. it is, right? And mm. you could kind of uh, win quite comfortably, um, or at least. Take a chunk of the market share so that you could build a pretty solid business. Mm. Nowadays, it's it's a, a lot more difficult, right? It's harder mm. to get reviews. It's harder to launch. Uh, I don't think Amazon's rewarding me too products um, quite as much because you know China's really got a, a really good take on. Um, on Amazon selling these days. And if it's just a Me Too product, there'll be some bloke in China whose uncle has a factory that can deliver a a much better landed cost than you can into the country. So the only real way to kind of, um, you know, drive solid, repeatable sales and profit over, you know, a relatively sustained period of time, you know, you you can go, you might get a month or two of great sales, but that doesn't build a business, right? You need to kind of be thinking, how do you... Uh, how do you innovate yeah how do you innovate right and and so differentiate yeah you know I think you know one of the easiest ways to do that is take all the best sellers right Mm. and then just go and mine all of their reviews right have a look at all of their five-star reviews there that you can go on you know on helium 10 you can just like plug in uh, on the chrome extension and download all their reviews Mm -hmm right, Um, then what I would typically do is I would filter them by five-star reviews, what do people love about this product, and then I'd also filter them by one- and two-star reviews, like what do people hate about the product. Often the one- and two-star reviews are far more revealing to, uh, you know, us as sellers because we can kind of uh, get a very clear look at, you know, if we were going to make any changes to this product, uh, what could it be, right? Mm. Um, And so that's a great place to start because you can get all these perfectly uh, accessible data points, you know, the longer a company has been selling for the more data you can get on them and it's all free right there, you just need a VA to be able to process it, and then interpret the language as well right that's really important. Um, you know, looking at just one- and two-star reviews, sometimes people randomly click one-star review, but they actually meant a five-star review. review, I know.
0: There's those sort of random things as well. They actually, are, years ago it. in Hong Kong, I was having a chat with uh, Greg Mercer, who was there. Uh, we were kind of speaking at the same event, and, uh, and he was telling me about exactly this, pro- this concept where he found a product that uh, he wanted to sell, and that it was, it, it was selling very well. Um, all, the, all the sellers were doing very well in this category. Yeah. But whatever this product was, it, everybody was using a plastic clip. And so he went to the manufacturer because and the plastic clip kept breaking. So he went to a manufacturer and said, I want to replace that plastic one with a steel one or metal. Um, and he just automatically went straight to the top once he introduced that product. So And that all came out of the reviews. He was able to identify a common thread issue across all the sellers in the category that were causing problems for buyers and he was able to solve that problem, and he killed it. That's so, it,
1: exactly yeah. right. You know, it, it could be you know often things get made out of plastic, right? Like you know, what would happen if you tried to make a, a wood version of that, right? That's right. You know, um, little things like that. Yeah. That- you just differentiate the market, you know, there's so many me too sellers out there. If you just try to come in and sell a me too product, you're going to get lost in a, in a sea of similar products that are very Mm. hard to differentiate. Um, And and so I think that's super important. And then once you've kind of, um, you know, found those points of differentiation that you can, you know, improve on, uh, you know, from the, what's out there currently, Mm. I think it's really important as well to do a lot of rigorous testing, uh, you know, of your product, right? Test out your packaging, yes. test out your pricing, uh, and you can do that. There's 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 websites out there. Um, you know, PickFu is is one website. Mm. I think there's better versions of PickFu out there uh, these days. That, you know, that maybe have um, you know more um, uh, like um, respondents that. More closely emulate um, Amazon sellers, right? You know, you want well, customers. You want people. Yeah, you want customers. Mm-hmm. You want you know. If there's a, a Bangladeshi click farm out there that's giving you <laughs> data, right? Yeah. You know, maybe sure you see a a sweet little set of uh, responses, uh, and you think you can make insights from them. Mm-hmm. But you also need to just, um, you know, take them with a grain of salt as well, which yeah. is why looking at that kind of respondents data pool, if you've got your own audience, like that's that's really good, right? Mm, mm, um, mm. And you can test real people that, you know, are really in that market for your, um, you know, your category of product. Uh, it could just be a, a group of friends as well, right? You could create a, a um, you know, some kind of a poll for your yeah. friends. answer as well. Um, There's lots of different ways to do it. But really, like, you know, we'll do some rigorous, you know, polling before we, um, you know, launch any product. And if we're like testing out, you know, four of the best sellers against our product, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll typically do like an image test first, then we might do an image and a title test. And then we'll do like an image title, And um, you know, rating and price to kind of really fully emulate that kind of homepage of Amazon when people have you know forty-eight options to choose from on the page. Yes, we if we can't crush the competition on that. Yep, we really think twice about it because what we've found is the products that um, you know we've looked back at this, Mm -hmm. the products that do best. um, You know, in the long run. Uh, a kind of products where, you know, we've had 55% of the vote in a five horse race, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the 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 average there would be getting a 20% vote if everyone's mm-hmm. even. That's so right. So we kind of, uh, you know, more than one in every uh, two customers are picking our product uh, listing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of helps us really shape the fact that we know our packaging works, yep. we know our price works, and we typically don't, um, you know, go head to head on reviews. Like if someone's been selling for three years and they've got 5,000 reviews, we might say we've got 200 reviews and a 4.5 star rating, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's not realistic to kind of give yourself no. 5,000 reviews, right?
0: It's impossible. Yeah. yeah straight off. So,
1: yeah.
0: That's a really good approach. I love that. And it's a lot of, um, this, it reduces, first of all, it reduces a lot of risk in the launch, which is really exciting. Um, and two, there's a real methodology behind that just to make sure that you, you know, you're going to be spending a bit of money. You don't have to buy the competitive products. You've got to, you know, do all the testing and everything else, but you're going to end up with much higher chance of success when you actually get to launch, which is uh, really, really clever. That's one of the best bits of advice I've heard all year. That's really clever. I love it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. You actually don't need to buy the competitive products, uh, Chris. You you just you just take their image and their offer off. Um, yeah, you can do that too. Off the uh, off, off off the internet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we find that we typically might spend. You know, you, you might spend between five hundred dollars and a thousand dollars. You know, doing some kind of uh, you know
0: polling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, And the way I look at it is, you know, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners have thought they had an awesome product. They've gone and, you know, ordered 5,000 units of it. They've spent, you know, 50 grand on it. Then they've paid more money to go and launch the product using whatever launch strategy, Mm -hmm. you know, is working for them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, my sales, you know, they were okay during launch. But now that the launch is kind of finished you know, I'm kind of selling one or two or three a day and it's kind of well below what I was, you know, Checking. thinking mm. I was going to sell, you know, you've got to think about like, you, you know, it, it's almost like an insurance policy, right? Mm. You know, you go and spend a thousand bucks to kind of really validate, Hey, my gut feeling that I have a great uh, product here, mm. you know, people, other people are saying, yeah, it, like, you know, I do have a great product here. Um, it, it really, you think about the the cost of the inventory, you think about the cost of the launch, yep. you think of the, the, the the wasted time that you have as well, right? Mm. Um, Like that's probably the biggest thing for us is the amount of time that our whole team, whether it's our design team, our product development team, our supply chain team, our Amazon Marketplace Ops team, they're all... Working really hard to make sure a launch goes really well. Yes, and when it doesn't go well, it's kind of all wasted time. you know that's probably the biggest cost out of out of all of it, uh, yeah. you know is is our is our time. So we' found that that does really help us um, you know, just maximize the chances that each new product uh, has gone through the rigors before mm-hmm. we've spent a dollar on inventory. Uh, and then you know we've seen pretty good success rate. I'd say you know last year, our success rate was probably about, you know, seventy percent for, for new product launches. Yeah. Um, you know the, that's fantastic. Selling pretty well, and then you know, lately it's kind of you know maybe dropped off just a little bit as there's been
0: slightly changing
1: market conditions. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the, uh, I guess that's our approach to to kind of launching products.
0: All right, so product development and launching products to take as much risk out of the uh, out of the process as possible. I love it. Yeah, so, in terms of forward planning, then did you set any goals? that you wanted to hit sort of as you were building these seven figure businesses.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know I think we always yeah, it was kind of interesting, right? Cuz you know, we I, I got to seven figures in my in my first 6 months, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> kind of a, a random uh, random kind of bit of luck home run, yeah. You know, so that was that was interesting, but you know what it meant was that the rocket ship had already taken off and it was half built, right? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and and so you know what we found was that um, you know things were were pretty disorderly and chaotic, to be honest. You know mm-hmm. we were constantly running out of stock in like totally avoidable situations, like you know going from really good sales to no sales. That almost never happens to us anymore, um, you know, because we're far better planned. You know, the amount of money that just got stripped out of my bottom line from a profit standpoint because we just kept on air freighting for, yes, to, you know, for, yeah. for, for, for two or three years, we were just air freighting all the time. And mm. thankfully, the air freight costs weren't quite as high as they are today, but it was still a massive amount. I mean, my profitability probably would have doubled in those early years if I just went sea freight instead of air freight, but we That's were right. just always playing catch up, Um, Mm. you know, and I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things is from a financial reporting standpoint, I think a lot of sellers, um, you know, unless you love spreadsheets, and you love finance, which most people don't, Mm. they don't tend to put much energy into it, you know, accounting, uh, and bookkeeping, it's kind of like a necessary evil that, you know, and when it comes time for the end of the quarter and you've got to file a baz, or it comes time for the end of the year and you've got to get your taxes right, yep. you're kind of always playing catch up, right? It's super yep. reactive at the end of the year. So let's say the year is just finished now. It's 30th of June. You know, maybe... You know, by the end of August or September or October, maybe your numbers are all finalised. Uh, you know, before uh, to even
0: know, yeah, pre- whether last, yeah, whether you were even yeah. profitable that that previous That's year. That's right. So
1: it's a, it's a super reactive type of thing, and you know, in many respects, um, you can't really make too many decisions. uh, When you're looking back um, on what happened, you know, between July 1 and June 30, and it's already October the following year, uh, how do you go and like take actionable um, steps to kind of go and improve your bottom line? You know, you end up being really uh, sluggish and slow to react. And so what we've found is that it makes a lot more sense to, set up a weekly scorecard or a monthly scorecard or making sure that your month end numbers are completed by, you know, the 10th of the following month. And you've got to set these hard and fast goals that, you know, you've got to move mountains to make sure that that's happening, because unless you're getting an up-to-date set of numbers uh, and getting the insights from those numbers uh, in a periodic fashion, I've seen people do them weekly, I've seen people do yep. them monthly, right? But yep. doing them yearly, like that's just uh, or not looking at them at all and getting your accountant to sort out the mess at the end of the at the end of the day. Yeah, um, you know that doesn't really help you at all uh, kind of uh, see what's going on at a time when you can actually take
0: uh, take steps to to change it. It sounds like you've read the Rockefeller Habits. Is that Would that be accurate? No,
1: it wasn't the Rockefeller Habits. It Which was, one was uh, it? The, the book that's really helped transform our business Yes, um, is Traction by Gino Wickman. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, what that book, I, I highly recommend that everyone reads that book. I'm not a big book reader. Okay. Like uh, I read 50 books one year when I um, went traveling to get all the classics You know, out of the way, I should say they were done, but I typically don't read a lot of books. And so for me um, to tell somebody, you should go and read this book. Like I never tell people, but this was really, um, really useful. It's a pretty easy read. And what it is, it's um, about a guy's journey. Uh, So Gino's helped a lot of businesses, um, you know, in a consulting fashion over the years. And what he realized is that uh, there is, um, you know, everyone thinks that the issues that they're facing are unique to their own business, but it's actually not true at all. There, there's, you know, Um, a handful of reasons why your business isn't performing that well, right? Uh, And what he's really done over this, you know, 30 or so years of, uh, you know, helping Mm -hmm. businesses, he's really been able to uh, build a system, right? Mm -hmm. A system and a set of processes Mm -hmm. that can help any business. And so this is what is called the EOS system, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, Mm And so we, um, we kind of read the book. We, you know, my partner and I, uh, you know, both um, said, hey, it's time to kind of really yeah. wrap this up, you know. And and what kind of um, what built uh, our um, real desire to kind of make some changes mm. is that you know as I told you, right, to go from zero to a seven uh, figure business for me it took six months and one product, right? Yeah. Now obviously that's not how it works for everybody, but the the point is that to get from you know zero dollars to a million dollars, you know, it like a it doesn't really require much in the way of system and process, right? Going from 1 million to 5 million, you can kind of do that with a small team as well. Uh, You know, um, you know, if you've got a couple good, good products, you know, Mm -hmm. you you had a good successful product and then you took some of those uh, profits and found another, um, another good, a, a grade hero product or a couple, you know, uh, you know, B grade products to kind of help you get there, you know, but, to go from you know a low seven figures to an eight figure business, um it actually requires a different set of skills. There's a lot less luck, and there's a lot less that you can just put on your own two shoulders here and just think, you know what? I'm just going to brute force this, right? It's just there's too many moving parts, and it really requires um, a bigger team and a much better set of organizational processes. so yep. that, um, you know uh, the business functions in the right way, and so we actually used a um, a company called Escala. I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard of those uh-huh. guys. Mm-hmm. No, so I actually know a couple of the guys. They're they're really nice guys that run the business. Yoni and uh, and Lippy are their names, mm-hmm. and um, and they've basically taken this uh, you know traction uh, EOS mantra, and they have built a, a business that uh, really helps on board uh, businesses, you know, how do you guys physically like, sure, you've read the book, you want to get into it, but kind of how do you get into it, right? Uh, and and so they basically work with you for three to six months to really uh, help understand Uh, All of the processes in your business, they talk to every team member, they really map out the SOPs, Um, they make sure that all your your systems that you're using, uh, you know, help uh, build that great communication and great, you know, teamwork and project management that is required to build a big business. Uh, And then they help integrate us. Um, I don't even know what we were doing before, to be honest. (laughs) You know, everybody everybody had these, you know, long to-do lists that had, like, scribbles on them and very, very
0: difficult. Yeah, yeah, I'm just showing you mine at the moment, yep. (laughs) We've all got them. And so, you know,
1: now what we've got is we've got this click-up system that we use. Right. Right? So every department has their own department. Um, Everything's very transparent. You know, we can see what people are doing at any one time if there's different tasks that people are doing. Okay. Um, you know, they're all loaded up so that people know what they're working on. Uh, if there's repeatable tasks that have to happen every day or every week, mm-hmm. you know, once they're completed, they pop back up there the next day so that, you know, yeah. it's all done in a really organized fashion. And um, and so that's and really, I guess, yeah, that's like yeah. the foundation that I think is going to help us kind of, you know, get to, you know, 50 million or, or beyond, you know, yeah, yeah. our sales.
0: Every business faces challenges as they grow, and I'm sure you've had your fair share. What are some of the challenges that you've faced? And there must be millions yeah. of them. This could go on forever. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of different ones that have happened. You know, we've had several. You know, multi-billion-dollar companies coming after us uh, for uh, you know potential uh, you know copyright breaches uh, oh for uh, patent infringements and things like that. So yeah. um, you we're know, there there's some um, interesting ones. You know, I, nothing that we do is. Um, uh, particularly, um, you know, we don't do really any black hat type stuff. We don't, you know, we, we try to take calculated risks. Um, you mm-hmm. know, if, if we're getting into a space where there's um, someone with a patent who's quite litigious, we'll stay very, very well away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, these things that come up, um, are, you know, essentially, um, you know, issues because we have started to sell really, really well. Uh, and so, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, if you are looking at a product and it looks really good and you see there's a pattern, then you, you think, oh, well, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, I'd really, I guess, counsel people to, um, to think smart about it you know with patents yeah. uh, and that type of thing there's almost always um, a workaround that can be done to kind mm-hmm. of make sure that your, pat- your product is differentiated from theirs yeah it that might try. cost you a little bit more money but China's great at giving you the same product that somebody else has got yeah, aren't they? Um, but ultimately you need to constantly ask yourself like what does success look like and in this case Uh, You know, if you, you know, there's half a dozen products that I'd love to do now that I know are protected by a patent. um, And we typically just stay well away from them. It's like fool's gold, right? Um, They won't come after you until it's time to come after you when you start kind of crushing the sales and then... They're going to come back at you, and they're going to take all of the profits you've made, and you've wasted all of your time uh, mm. you know, trying to uh, build a product that you know you really weren't uh, yep. allowed to be used. Um, you know, we've had other kinds of issues as well, like that um, sports and outdoor product that. Um, yes. That- Uh, that I made, you know, I was having a few issues around, uh, you know, uh, one-star reviews and and kind of product uh, returns. And I'd always said along the way with my supplier, you know, it was a supplier I'd done a lot of business with. She was a partner of mine. Um, And I always wanted the product to be made of nylon because it was much harder wearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she assured me that it was. Um, And I owed her, you know, a six-figure amount of, of money, And, uh, you know, I'd started talking to some other product designers to be like, you know what, I I need to get this product, you know, better quality to kind of, you know, minimize these returns and one-star reviews that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And they just said to me, listen, honestly, uh, you should just get this product tested, uh, get the materials tested. And so I, I went to a place here in Melbourne and I gave them, A batch, Uh, I gave them one product from my very first um, uh, batch of orders that I did. Yes, yes. And then I gave them a batch from my most recent order uh, Uh that I'd done. And it turned out that my nylon lounges that I'd been advertising as nylon Uh um, uh, were actually 98.7% polyester. Oh, God. Yeah. So I was like, that was a massive eye opener for me. You know, I think, you know, we do rigorous inspections on every one of our shipments these days. Um, You know, we do testing, we do compliance, we make sure that we're buying what we say we're buying um because yeah. the customer risk there and just that one star uh you know yeah, like risk. risk it's just yeah. it's just too great and so you know, in the end i didn't pay them anything for, uh, for i had a six figure amount that i never paid my supplier and you know did you
0: switch suppliers at that point
1: yes I, have, did- I i pretty much have you know two or three suppliers for um all of our hero products these days because you know you're, you're always at the risk that a supplier is going to turn around one day and then increase your uh, cost price by 30%. And yes. if you don't have somebody else to, to kind of uh, fall back on, uh, you kind of have to take that price, right? So uh, it was does make sense where possible to, to, to have multiple suppliers.
0: Was that a mistake by her or was that just outright fraud?
1: Uh, well, you know what her line was? She said... Um, uh, nylon polyester uh we have different names for them in chinese you know and it's like you know what i i I, you know and, and you know it's also a um like you know i like to think i'm a nice guy right uh typically i don't want to not pay people i'm not that kind of person that tries to like weasel out of paying what's due, but also as an entrepreneur, you also need to toughen up a little bit as well. Like, you know, whether it's your your team members that are, you know, taking the mickey or it's suppliers that are, you know, just not doing what they say they're going to do, Mm -hmm. or it's third-party consultants like digital marketing people or, you know, any of these other kind of contractors that you might have in your business you know as an entrepreneur you can, obviously you want to be a nice person and good to deal with but you also have to kind of uh you know call a spade a spade and when you've been you know when you've bought 1.8 million dollars worth of product from somebody and it turns out that product um that it- you're paying a higher price for mm. uh, ends up um you know being not what they said it was going to be you need to kind of you know harden up and say you know what come get me and you know i got these threatening legal letters um, mm-hmm. you know for um you know probably a year saying you need to Pay and now there's all these interest amounts to pay. Uh, and, you know, I, I was always like, all right, well, you know, if you want the money, come get it. Yeah. You know, but uh, I'm not going to just, you know, hand over the money when you guys have not done, you haven't upheld your end of the bargain, you know. No.
0: You're lucky to get those products before you paid them. So it sounds right. like the supply terms were actually very helpful.
1: That's right, and I, I think beyond that as well, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, uh, you know, we've had way more challenges than just that. You know, we yeah, have, sure. um, you know, one star review attacks from you know black hat competitors yeah, people yeah. turning our listings into dog pages. Yeah. All of those different types of things. It doesn't matter what what the issue is. You know, the more successful your business is. Uh, the more shit's going to happen, to put it bluntly, right? I think what's really, really important is to have a really good team around you. You know, um, hopefully, you know, there's probably a lot of like solo entrepreneurs out there. Um, If you are a solo entrepreneur, you know, maybe it's, it's worthwhile just considering like what would it look like if I had another partner in the business, right? right. You know, know, what would it look like if I could elevate someone or hire somebody that was like pretty senior in the business? Like maybe they have equity, maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. But what we've found is that a lot of these issues that pop up, you know, when I was running my business on my own and my partner was running his business on his own, um, what happened is that there was this kind of almost... like an analysis paralysis type of arrangement that happened where something happens and you're like, ah, like my listing's down or, you know, uh, I get these one-star reviews. Like, you know, what should I do here? And then you kind of think about it and you stress over it for a day or two. And then you're like, you know what? you know, I can't think about this right now. I've got other things to do and you push it back to the following week and then eventually it just drops off your kind of to-do list. Mm. And, you know, when you have a really good team uh, around you that, you know, have, I guess, similar viewpoints, um, but, uh, you know, can talk these things through and come up with a real actionable game plan uh, you know in a relatively quick fashion and then you can either do it you know go about actioning those those steps or getting someone in your team to do that mm. So that's kind of helped us uh, really uh, you know make faster decisions and yep. solve any of these issues um, you know when they pop up not six months later let's
0: keep moving here um Revenue versus profit. I mean, obviously, when you're exiting a business, which is something that you're going through at the moment, the owners typically look at profitability. Um, Is that still accurate as you're transitioning to an exit?
1: It's a great question. You know, I think, like, I'm really on top of our numbers now. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say that that's, you know, that's that's really, you know, come about, you know, because of this EOS process that we've developed as well as you know, getting the business set up for, uh, for sale, you really need to have your numbers locked and loaded. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're know, going to all sorts of issues around due diligence. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the way I look at it is everything is um, everything's important, right? right. You know, your, your top line revenue is super important. Um, but arguably, your your bottom line is the most important, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just remember going to so many different conferences over the years with Amazon. And the number one question that, you know, people ask is like, oh, well, you know, how many sales do you do? You know, oh, you, know, I'm at a million. Oh, yeah, I'm at three million. And, you know, honestly, it's just such a dumb question, really. Like it, it really is because... It, it shows you nothing like, you know, one of my consulting clients, they do about 20, 22 million. Uh, they're just a, a pretty small business as well, but you know, they do 22 million uh, in sales. They're kind of young. They're maybe three years old. Um, and they've done 22 million in sales, uh, you know, this year for very, very limited profitability. Right. Yeah. And so one could argue, Hey, you know, they're, they're doing great with the brand awareness piece. They're getting product into, into customers' hands, which is awesome. But they've got to like tidy up the the, the kind of the, margin. the, the margins and their expenses. Mm-hmm. And so typically, um, you know, typically you're paid for your business based on a multiple mm-hmm. of your, it could be EBITDA or it could be um, seller's discretionary earnings, right? So um, that allows you to kind of make a few add backs and things like that. Um, So if you've been paying yourself salaries, you probably, um, as founders, Mm. you probably wouldn't be um, uh, still incurring those um, once the sale goes through. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, typically what, um, you know, having, you know, we've uh, talked to a lot of buyers and, Mm. you know, we've got a a pretty good... um, um, you know, corporate advisor that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a business to be really positioned well for a sale, you need to really get to that 15%, uh, you know, profit margin. So your EBITDA yeah. or your SDE should be around about 15%. Yep. Um, they will buy, um, you know, businesses that are less than that, but it certainly wouldn't want to be less than 10%. Uh, and if you're over 20%, uh, you are looking really, really good. They're really healthy. You'll you get a higher multiple at mm. a 20% uh, or,
0: or above than you would yeah. for 15%. Yeah, got it, got it. That's awesome advice. Um, yeah. and,
1: and sorry, uh, the, the yeah. last point I'll make there is, you know, we've also found that, you know, businesses like ours don't typically, you know, Spew out a lot of cash, um, you know, as your business is making you know profits, right? Uh, you know, we like a lot of my friends that you know are either new to e-commerce or you know want to get into it or maybe don't know anything about it. You know that you know they, they they see our top line numbers and go, wow, like you guys must be just making a huge bank right now. Mm. And you know, ultimately, you know, you can. Uh, generate um, a fair bit of profitability in in a a business like ours. But if you're continually making new bets on new products, right, any of that free cash that you've developed from your current operations often ends up going to these these new products that you're launching or a new brand that you're launching or something like that. And so what we find is that it's really at the end of your time with the company that you generate the biggest return at that exit, right? Um, And so I think it's—I think my word of advice is—it's um, really important to you know get your house in order. Mm-hmm. You know, typically people uh, go, oh, you know, maybe I'll sell my business and you start the process. But you know, you really for the for the for the prior two years, but definitely for the last one year, but. Before when you are you know looking to start selling, you want to make sure that you've dialed in your profitability big time. You want to yeah. be sure that you've got um, you know really good accounts set up mm-hmm. so that you know what's going on and there aren't nasty surprises there as well. Yeah. Uh, and that that's going to just position you really well to to kind of get uh, the best deal for yourself.
0: Yep, and that's an important thing. What's the future hold for Julian? What's happening yeah, next?
1: A, that is a great question. You know, um, I think my goal, like, I, I want to be able to play golf a couple of times a week. Um, my my game of golf uh, is uh, it's not quite as frequent as I'd like because um, I've got a one year old child, and taking five <laughs> hours out uh, on the weekends isn't uh, isn't ideal. So, I think like that's my goal. Like, we've been hustling now for for seven years, kind of building our business, um, and you know. And I love this job. Like, but b- before I worked in e-commerce, you know, I'd work, I'd, 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 um, work for two years, two and a half years. Then I'd quit my job, and then I'd go traveling for six to twelve months, you know. And and now I'm seven years into this, and I turn up to work every day, and I'm super excited about it. So, okay. um, you know, I would like to think that uh, that I'm going to stick around in in this space for a little while. Um, you know, I love using both sides of my brain, the kind of the data and the analytics side, and then Trying to understand like what customers want and how you build products that are just super alluring to customers that can you know beat the competition so you know we're only looking to sell one brand right now and you know we've still got two other brands that yeah. uh, that will keep growing you know we've got our consulting business as well which um, you know we we love consulting it's um you know I, like i naturally like helping people mm. uh you know th- that um i would do for free uh, and the fact <laughs> that we can kind of make some money um you know on that helping people leverage the the specialization that mm. uh that we've uh you know built over this yes. last seven years um,
0: experience you know, yeah,
1: and it's, it's it's highly valuable to a lot of people. There's mm. so many people that have got like a good product or a good brand and they don't know much about marketing or distribution. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, that's our bread and butter. We know that really mm. well. And, and so, you know, we found that, uh, you know, I find that super re- rewarding to see mm. the light on, on you know, some of our clients' faces when you know, we've taken them from, you know, $0 to 8 figures
0: in, in about 2 years, which... It's amazing. Cool, yeah. Yeah. So that's,
1: you know, I I think I'd like to probably be in this for another four or five years, I'd say. And then uh, you're still young, mate.
0: That's right. Hey, Julian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate um, you taking us through what's required to get to a seven figure exit in an Amazon business or an e commerce business. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah, no worries. Glad to, glad to come on the show. Oh,
0: look, and hopefully um, we'll, our paths will cross at a conference or a mastermind or a meetup somewhere in the near future and maybe Shane as well, your business partner, hopefully we can uh, Absolutely. stay in touch. But that's okay. great. Good on you. All right, thanks, thanks again. You so no worries. We'll talk soon.
1: But anyway, thanks a lot, Chris. See you later.
0: All links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favourite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.